Hey, Drew Dixon, back with you for another Bible Thump. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 13. I'm going to read starting in verse 14. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on housetop must not come down or go to get anything out of his house, and a man on a field must not go back to get his coat. Woe to the pregnant woman and the nursing mothers in those days. Pray it won't happen in winter, for those will be days of tribulation. The kind that hasn't been since the beginning of creation until now and never will be again. If the Lord had not cut those days short, no one would be saved. He cut those days short for the sake of the elect, whom he chose. Then if anyone tells you, see, there's the Messiah, see, there, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will arise and will perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. And you must watch, I have told you everything in advance. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not shed its light, the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, uh, to the ends of heaven. All right, so, weird passage, right? Uh, And one that we read and don't always get and understand. A lot of people think this refers to the end of the world. Um, I don't, and I'll give you some reasons why. Uh, First of all, because... um, this seems to, if it's the end of the world, it's, if it's just the return of Jesus, that's, um, in many ways, that's good news, right? Especially for, for followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, the end of the world is good news. It means we're going to be reunited to, to, to our Savior. Um, but in this instance, Jesus is telling his followers to flee, to run away, um, and to seek shelter, Right? So it can't, I don't think it can be just the end of the world, because that's not something that, to my knowledge, followers of Jesus should be fearful about. So I think it's actually referring to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. I think that's the best uh, interpretation of this of this passage. There's a future coming destruction of Jerusalem that would happen under uh, Roman Emperor Vespian. Um, Jews were horribly persecuted uh, thousands of them were killed in the streets. There was infighting because of this horrible event uh, amongst Jews. And so even some of the Jewish people in Jerusalem were killing each other. They were fighting for scraps of food. They were starving. They were horribly persecuted as, as, as Jerusalem was ransacked by the Roman government and Roman armies. Um, it was horrific. And I think that's what he's looking forward to. And... Uh, the point of all this, I think, is to tell followers of Jesus, like, you don't have to endure this. Um, Jesus is warning his followers, when this comes, like, run away, seek shelter, you don't have to, to, to undergo this. Um, so, in light of this is coming, um, Jesus speaks some very prophetic language here. He says, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And the reason is because of this abomination of desolation, having previously sort of, um, whatever that is, having previously sort of like shaken and totally messed up how most Jewish people would have thought and lived and, um, and operated under the temple. You remember prior to this, Jesus had uh, prophesied about the destruction of the temple. And so this 
siege of Jerusalem in AD 70 sort of culminates in this abomination of desolation, which desecrates the temple, which takes the temple and destroys it and says that system of sacrifices, that's on hold. That's done for right now. It's, 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 it's over in a sense. And if you were a Jew in Jesus' day, that would be terrible. That would be cataclysmic. That would be hard to stomach and understand. Because if you were a Jew in Jesus' day, uh, who really believed the Torah, really believed the Old Testament, um, you would believe that God had called you as a nation to be a lights unto the nations, to show the rest of the world the goodness and glory of God. And and all of that centered in this system of sacrifices in the temple and worship in the temple, all that was all that was tied together. The temple was this beautiful, visible representation of God's glory and his favor on the nation of Israel. And all of a sudden, here's this promise from Jesus, who is, claims to be the Messiah, who claims to be the Son of God, who claims to be God in human flesh. Here's this claim all of a sudden that, that the temple is going to be undone. Um, so it's a big deal. It would be hard to stomach. And so here's what I think is going on. Um, Jesus is, is, is citing passages. He's thinking of, 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 pas of apocalyptic passages like Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 34 that describe the fall of Babylon and Edom. Um, you know, he has this vision of, of a dark sun and a quenched moon and stars falling from the sky. And all this sort of paints this picture of things are not going to be the same anymore. Jesus himself, through his life, death, and resurrection, has fundamentally changed how we relate to God. Um, it's changed things forever. And then he brings in this final devastating biblical text from Daniel 7, where he says, See, the Son of Man will, come, will be coming on the clouds and with great glory and power. Um, and so all of this is about, um, not just about like the return of Jesus in the future, actually don't think that's what's going on exactly, but it's about his coming to God after suffering. So I think this great tribulation that's being prophesied here also connects to the coming tribulation of Jesus. He's about to go to the cross, right? That's a big part of Mark's gospel is preparing for this moment when Jesus would go to the cross and suffer. And so, um, yeah, I think this isn't about the return of the Son of Man, and Daniel 7 certainly isn't, but it's about his coming to God after suffering. It's about, N.T. Wright says it's about triumph and vindication, about simultaneous judgment falling on the system that has opposed God's call and God's gospel, and about Israel's, repre Israel's representative sitting down as David's Lord, you know, does in Psalm 110 uh, at God's right hand. Remember Jesus said, you know, how can David call him Lord, right? He said, Jesus had previously said, look, um, I'm greater even than, than, than just a son of David. Um, so let's unpack that. From Jesus' point of view, in other words, this passage is about the vindication of his entire ministry and his entire mission and the kingdom he's come from heaven to earth to establish. Um, so Jesus is saying here, I think, that after his own death, with the destruction of the temple that's to come, um, this symbolizes a change, a radical change in, in how we relate to God. And it, and it culminates in the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
From Mark's point of view, this passage is about the complete vindication of Jesus himself, his resurrection, his ascension, the outworking of his prophecies against the temple. Um, This is sealing the whole process. Jesus, in this passage, I think, is saying, look, everything that I've done is going to be vindicated in in my death and resurrection and ascension to God. Um, so it's pretty, it's a pretty powerful story is what I'm trying to say. Um, and it should shift, it should have shift, shifted people's perspectives back then. And it should shift our perspective now. Back then, I think, um, if you were a Jew, you would think of the coming destruction of the temple as a horrible judgment of God and like something that you just can't come back from. But Jesus is saying, I think... Because he himself is the temple, right? He would say that about himself at multiple junctures in his earthly ministry, that there's a new way to relate to God. And there's a new way to be God's people in God's world for his glory and for the good of everyone else around us. Um, Israel was designed by God to be lights unto the nation. I said that earlier, right? Lights unto the nations. They were this nation that was to point the other nations, mostly pagan nations, to find hope and security and life in in, in Yahweh, in God. Um, And so now we don't have to do that through the temple. We do that through Jesus. We connect to him. We connect to uh, other followers of Jesus in our churches. We connect uh, right now, like through things like this, through this video, through ministries like Love Thy Nerd. These are ways that we um, take the goodness of God and spread it out into the world. This is how we adopt our new identity as those people are meant to be lights into the world for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. So, um, yeah, I hope this challenges you to think, like, how does my thinking about my role in this world need to shift, need to change? Um, how is my thinking about who I am in this, on this planet, on planet Earth, how does that need to shift? in light of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that changes things. That's, that's a shift in perspective. That's a shift in who we are and what we, what we do. Um, how does what you do need to change? Maybe nothing that you do needs to change, but maybe your perspective on it does. Maybe your perspective on going to work needs to change. Maybe your perspective on being a son or a daughter needs to change, or being a father or a mother, or maybe your perspective on your relationship with the people that live in the same apartment complex as you needs to change. Maybe you need to see yourself as a light unto those people, someone who can provide hope, someone who can be a friend, someone who can serve, someone who can love, someone who can invest the good news of Jesus in those spaces. Um, Let's let, I think that's what this passage is about, let's let the light of Jesus, let's let the reality of Christ resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, let's let that influence and infiltrate every space in our life and be willing to let God change things. That's scary, isn't it? I don't like change a lot of times. I don't like my routine changing sometimes. I don't like... um, the prospect of changing careers or changing where I live. But a lot of times when we open ourselves up to change, um, like we see things that we never saw before. And um, like beautiful things can then begin to happen in our lives that we never thought were possible. Um, 
So change can be really wonderful. That's what I'm trying to say. Change can be really wonderful and really good. So let's try to have that perspective. And here's a prayer for you to pray this week. God, um, let the reality of Christ resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father shape me this week. My relationships, my friendships, my family, um, my work, what I do day in and day out, shape, bring new life to these spaces. Wouldn't that be beautiful if we could see God bring some new life to any one of those spaces? Wouldn't it? I think it would. Uh, I hope you do too. Hope this has been encouraging to you. We'll see you again next week for our next Bible Thumb.